Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on Maundy Thursday evening, April 6th, 2023, on the basis of Matthew 26, verses 17 to 30. The sermon text from Matthew 26. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into, the, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the, the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the gospel of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we went through this story and as I introduced in the, um, in the introduction to the service, this text has a, a past, it has a present, and it has a future. We hear the past right away. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, Jesus came to the disciples and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So with the, the word Passover, our minds are, are transported back to the 1400s BC when the Israelites are slaves in Egypt under the tyrannical rule of the Pharaoh at that time. Pharaoh had no love for God. He had no love for the Israelites. That was pretty obvious. You read through a little bit of Exodus, you'd see that. Uh, especially as you read through some of the plagues. God sends these awful plagues ranging from all the water turning to blood to uh, swarms of locusts to festering boils. There was nine of them, and, and Pharaoh still refused to budge. In defiance to God, he would not let the Israelites go. That is until the tenth plague, the plague of the firstborn son. God was going to send the angel of death over Egypt. And the angel of death would take the life of every firstborn person and animal unless, unless that angel of death saw the blood of the lamb smeared on the doorpost. If he saw the blood of the lamb, this year-old lamb without blemish or defect, if he saw that blood on the doorframe, he would pass over that house and the people in that house would not die. Well, you, you know what happened, right? Uh, the Egyptians all lost their firstborn sons, including Pharaoh. 
And the Israelites were spared from that, that fate because they had put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. So Pharaoh, after losing his son, this was going to be his heir. Remember, that, that's, that's a pretty significant thing. He was distressed, and he finally had had enough. All the other plagues hadn't done it, but this one had. All right, you, you guys get out of here. I, I don't want to see you anymore. And God had them ready. Maybe you caught that detail in, in the Exodus reading. He had, they had to tuck their, they had to tuck their, uh, their, they had to kind of roll this up and tuck it into their belt, right? They had to have everything ready to go because right after they were done eating this Passover, right after the, the angel of death passed over the, the Egyptians, they were going to leave. They were going to exit. And so they did. And this was no small thing. This is a million people, maybe even over a million people that make up the Israelites at the time. And they're, they're leaving Egypt now in this huge mass with all of their things, all their possessions. God even let them plunder some of the Egyptians' possessions too. And they're, they're exiting Egypt. We don't know exactly how far they got, but Pharaoh then changed his mind. He said, I'm not letting these people go anymore. And he sends his army after them. And we have this pretty dramatic scene. The Israelites are coming up to the Red Sea, and coming up behind them are the Egyptians, the, the army. They're kind of stuck between these two, these two things until God works an amazing miracle, parts the Red Sea in two, and lets the Israelites cross on dry ground. And when they're safe on the other shore, he brings the waters back together again, Pharaoh's army still being in there, and Pharaoh's army is swallowed up by the sea and so God had delivered his people in, in the most magnificent way and working the most magnificent miracle that, that he perhaps ever had up to that point. And so now, after that point, that was going to be a pretty hard thing to forget, but God wanted his people to remember. And so they were going to celebrate the Passover. And that Passover had been celebrated for a lot of years. In fact, we see several different times in the Bible where it, it is faithfully celebrated just the way God wanted it to be celebrated. Even Jesus and his disciples celebrated it, right? I want you to put yourself, though, in the shoes of a Jewish person, let's say 800, 900, 1,000 years after the Passover, okay? You feel like, you feel like you're in that person's shoes now? Um, you're about to celebrate the Passover, and you've done it every year with your family, but every year you kind of wonder, why do we keep doing this thing that just remembers this big thing in the past, right? That happened 800 years ago. Why, why do we still need to celebrate that? Or they, they might have thought, well, this is good for our, our culture. This is good for us to remember our heritage and where we were from and this awesome historical event. But, but what does it mean for me right now? Could you picture somebody saying something like that? 800, 900, 1,000 years after they celebrated the Passover? If somebody did think that, why are we still celebrating this thing that happened so long ago, they might have kind of lost the significance of the Passover over time, right? Yet that wasn't the case. People hadn't lost the significance of the Passover because they understood something. They understood that the Passover wasn't just this great deliverance that happened way back when, a thousand years ago, 1,400 years ago, but this was a deliverance that pointed also ahead. This pointed ahead to a greater deliverance that would come when God wouldn't just sacrifice a lamb, but he would send the true Passover lamb, the lamb of God, the, the Messiah. 
And so the Passover was still celebrated, even in Jesus' day. Over 1,400 years later, when Jesus and his disciples are celebrating it in the upper room. We've moved from the past, now we're in the, the present, the present of the text. It, it had been kind of an eventful week for the disciples and Jesus. They had entered into Jerusalem, Jesus riding on a donkey, everybody shouting, Hail to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Crowds and crowds of people were there celebrating. In case you thought that, that maybe the Passover had lost its significance at that point, they say that, that Jerusalem swelled to four times its size at around the time of the Passover. So there were a lot of people, probably well over a million people in Jerusalem at the time of the Passover. So we have crowds and crowds of, of people that are greeting Jesus and that Jesus is able to teach in the next few days. We have some of the, the things that happened the next few days recorded for us. Some of it we, we don't have recorded for us, but, but it was busy. Jesus was teaching a lot, and he was saying things in perhaps the most direct manner that he ever had before. Crowds of people were always around Jesus, and you could imagine if you were a disciple, just longing for a little bit of time alone, a little bit of time alone with Jesus, and they had to be looking forward to this, the Passover. This would be their time where they would get to spend that time alone with Jesus and just their their closest associates there, the, the disciples. This would be a time to relax, a time to take a break from the crowds, a time to get away from the Pharisees who were antagonizing everything, and just take a breath. But Jesus wasn't just taking a breath in the upper room. He, he knew everything that was about to happen, just like we know it, right? The disciples were unaware, but, but Jesus knew. And so Jesus kind of throws them a curveball a bit. He says right away, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. So much for the relaxation that they were hoping for, right? The disciples, you just picture them sitting up a little bit straighter as one after one they ask Jesus, you're not talking about me, right? You don't mean me when you're saying this. Eventually, of course, Jesus says, Judas is the one that's going to, to betray him. You've probably heard this text a bunch of different times. Have you ever considered, why now? <laughs> why confront Judas now? Jesus had to know that Judas was going to do this, probably from the moment that he called him. He, he knew that, that Judas was going to, to betray him. Yet, why confront him here? Why confront him in front of all of the, the disciples? Well, some will say this is Jesus' last chance, reaching out to Judas, uh, for him to repent, for him to come clean. And, and surely that was true. But, but also consider this. Could it be that Jesus wants the other disciples to hear that Judas will betray him? Not to shame Judas, not to shame Judas, but to show that when Judas does betray him, he knew that was going to happen. That was happening according to his plan, that as chaotic as the next few days would be for him, it would all, for, for the disciples, it was all within God's control. If they only would have remembered that, right, in the next few days. They would have found some peace there. And as distressing as this was, finding out about Judas, and as much as they would have to go through in the next few days, the Lord knew that, and the Lord acted in the present, right there, right then, for the disciples. And for every generation after that, he instituted a blessed meal, a holy sacrament, where in his body and in his blood, he would give to those disciples right there and then, the forgiveness of sins, where he would give to generations of Christians after them the forgiveness of sins in his body and in his blood. 
Think about if the disciples would have remembered that when Jesus was going through the things that he was going through in the next few days. Think about if Peter would have remembered that. As he sinned and denied Jesus three times and he's weeping bitterly outside of the city gates. Think if he, he remembered that, that the bread that he tasted and, and that wine that he tasted that Jesus said was his body and his blood for the forgiveness of his sins. Imagine if you would have remembered who he was in Christ and what Christ had made him. Things might have been a little bit different, right? Obviously, the, the disciples got there eventually. They, they understood why Jesus had to do what he was going to do. And then imagine after that, after Jesus completed all his work, he has he, he risen from the dead, he has ascended into heaven. Now imagine the disciples getting together to celebrate this meal that he has instituted, this communion. They miss their teacher, right? They miss their rabbi. They miss this, this, this very important person in their life that had been there for, for three years that they got to spend a lot of time with. They miss him. They wish he was still there. They wish they could still see him. And yet, every time they get to partake of this meal, he's there with them in body and in blood. You kind of imagine the disciples having a little smile on their face. They know they're receiving the forgiveness of sins. They know they're receiving this because of what Jesus did for them. But they get to be with their Savior right there at that table. He's there with them in the present for them. What a comfort for them from all those days forward. We've talked about the past. We've talked about the present. And with Jesus, there's a future, too. And there's a future in this text. Uh, He alludes to it. He says this, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus, when he's sitting around that table with them, he partook of that meal with them, too, right? But he says, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to drink of this cup again until I return to my Father, and you're not going to take this with me until you're there with me too. Revelation 19 references this, talks about this, and it calls it the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's really just an an awesome, picturesque way to talk about heaven. Uh, When when the bride of Christ, a.k.a. the church, will be joined with their bridegroom, Jesus, And there will be an amazing celebration at this wedding supper of the Lamb when we will partake with Christ in celebration in heaven. This text has a past, it has a present, it has a future, and so do you. You have a past. What you were, you are no longer. Your past was that that you were a sinner destined for eternal destruction, but, but Jesus saved you from that. He, he justified you in his blood. He has washed you clean. Your past clings to you no longer. And he has delivered you from sin and from death. You have a present. You know, maybe we're, we're not so good at talking about that, right? In the church, we're really good at talking about the past. Here's what Jesus did for you in the past. We're really good at talking about the future. Here's what we have to look forward to. But maybe not so much the present, but, but Jesus and what he did for you it has an effect on you now. There's a now-ism to the, the gospel. Right here, right now, what he has done for you has given you an identity. People search their whole life for that. They search their whole life for an identity. They try to find in all these things that won't fulfill them, 
But God has given you an identity that is fulfilling and a, and a true identity that lasts just, not just this life, but, but to, the li- to the next life too. God has given you real peace and real hope now. You know, most people's peace and hope are tied to circumstances right here and right now, and they, they change quite a bit. Your peace and hope are tied to something that doesn't change ever. And so no matter if you're in an up or in a down, you have real peace and real hope because of Christ right now. You have real forgiveness right now. You don't have to work, work for it. You don't have to try really hard to attain it. You have forgiveness right now. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, it's forgiven in Christ. God's word is alive and active right now. There is a present value to the gospel. There is a nowism to the gospel you know one of the greatest nowisms to the gospel, though? It happens in the sacrament. When Jesus comes to you right here, right now, and offers you forgiveness of sins that you get to taste in the bread and the wine as you partake of his body and his blood, he is really with you. He is really present with you. In Christ, you, you have also a future. You know, there's this really cool uh, symbolism in Norwegian, historic Norwegian Lutheran churches. Um, if you ever walk into one, uh, you'll, you'll know it because they will have a, a half-circle communion rail. Have you seen one of those before? It, it's this communion rail that, that, that's in the shape of a half-circle. When people come up to commune, they'll either stand around it in half-circle or they'll kneel. And, and typically in those churches, uh, right behind the, the wall, uh, outside, is the cemetery. And so here's the really cool symbolism. That, that second half of that circle that you see in the front of church is completed by those in the cemetery back there. Because they have died in the faith and they are celebrating at the wedding supper of the Lamb. They are partaking of that cup with Jesus in heaven. And so here's what, you, here's what everyone was supposed to remember when they came up to communion in this half circle. It's that they were getting a foretaste of what those people were already experiencing. That's what the Lord's Supper is for you. It's a foretaste of what you have waiting for you. Every time you partake of this meal, you are looking forward to heaven. Every time you partake of this meal, you are remembering and partaking of the same meal that, that generations of Christians have, have taken And every time you partake of this meal, you are receiving the body and blood that secured that eternal inheritance for you. Think about all these things tonight as you partake of the the sacrament. That, That God has taken your past away by forgiving it. That Jesus comes to you in body and blood right now, right here in the present. And that he has that, that awesome wedding supper of the lamb prepared for you. And you get to have a foretaste of that tonight. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Uh, if you like the content that we're putting out as a church, could you do us a favor? And could you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast? That helps us get seen by more people more often so that more people will hear about Jesus. Uh, We hope you enjoyed today and, and we hope you tune in again next week for another sermon.